you know, get into the nitty and gritty of everything. Just you started school this week, right? Or like not school, but this is like your first week off your summer schedule, right? Yes. Okay. How was that first week for you? Um, it was fine. It's always each new school year brings new challenges. So it was Mm. good. That's it? That's how you got for me? I mean, I don't know. Let me think here. I mean, I it was fine. Like, it's different. Each year is different. We have a big event coming up. Um, well, this will be dropped over the weekend, so by that time, the event will be over. But um, we have a really big event that we do every year, so... That presents its own uh, challenges. It's just a busy week. And it's um, it's not hard, but it is an adjustment to get back into the rhythm of things when everybody is back on campus. Mm. So what is that first week? Like, I liken it to like, uh, like your first week as a freshman, like when you go to college. It's like mm-hmm. a busy week, but you're not in class. So what's that first week like look like for you? Um, there are PDs, so professional development stuff that we have to do. There is um, like last minute enrollment things or, or there are last minute enrollment things to complete um, for students that we may have taken later. Uh, in the summer versus like earlier in the school year um, or earlier in the enrollment season, there are a lot of meetings. Yeah, so. I feel you. I, 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 I was going to say I didn't mean to cut you off, but I did mean to cut you off because I was trying to find a good segue, but I'm still working at this. But you said something um, that I wanted to kind of start off with and kind of touch on, right? Um, I think that, like, as I'm learning, a lot more educators operate, like, outside of the classroom. But we don't always, like, hear those voices, right? And, like, I wanted to ask just kind of, um, like, 10,000 feet out, right? Not get granular. Like, what does the summer look like for an admissions director at an independent school, like what does your summer look like? What does that consist of? Because, you know, for some people, they think school is closed or they think like y'all in the building, but y'all not doing nothing. But as I know, as you share with me many times that y'all busy. So what does that look like? Um, It looks like enrollments that come over the summer or people that are interested over the summer. So if we have space, we're working with them. Um, it is busy mainly because you got two months to plan an entire admissions and enrollment season, so that's not a lot of time to cover like almost a year's worth of planning and material that you want to get for the next year. So anything that worked or didn't work in the school year, we will be together for the school year. Um, the 
takes up like the majority of um the time just like trying to like review for the previous year and then like gear up for the next year so like on a busyness scale right like i know it's not peak admission season right but um because of the nature of the school and i'm kind of peeking behind the curtain a little bit i know that like processes change Right. As opposed to like during the regular school year. So on a scale of one to 10, like how busy is your like average day during the summer? I would say like maybe like a six or a seven. It's Hmm. not. I feel like during the school year, it's like over a 10. Yeah. But like over. And it also just depends. Like last summer was like just the busiest summer I had had in my career in doing this. It was just like... Talk about it because that was year two, right, for you? Yeah. It was just a lot of stuff that I just hadn't experienced before and so I... um, Last summer was really difficult and very, very... It was like almost felt like the school year and as a result, like, I didn't take time off. Um... So the summer isn't super busy. And I also feel like you can plan a little bit because it's not full-on admission season. So you're only working with a handful of people because there's not that many spots left. Um, And the rest of it is like, like I said, like planning out the school year. So that doesn't always have to be done in the office. So sometimes there can be like some work from home days and, stuff like that so what would you say if you reflected right what is something that you took from last summer into this summer that like helped you prepare or navigate or just like deal with it better Um, I think probably like take make time for being out a little bit because I think like going through a summer like that and just like going right back into the school year I paid for it um so I think that is what I learned like I this summer even though the summer was different I do feel like I was a little bit more confident in prioritizing like taking a break yeah you definitely was outside this summer we was outside we went on our well, my first international trip, you know, we were together. Um, and I think that's important, right? Like, I think that particularly for those of us who are in education and don't get a summer, like, that's the assumption. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you you work with kids, like, y'all don't do nothing all summer. When, like, I know for you, your summers are fairly busy, right? Like you said, scale to one to 10, it was a six. But like for me as somebody who like operates programs, the summer is when we humping. Like that is like our biggest, not biggest, but our busiest season. So on a scale of one to 10, my summers 
for the past like six, seven years have been like twelves. Like, especially when I was at Upper Bound and like you were on twenty four hours a day for like those three weeks when you were in the dorms and then we traveling, you don't have the pleasure of like going out the country, going out of town, traveling and all that when everybody else is doing it. Right. So it's not just like like that, uh, the cost of your time, but it's also like the cost of like your fellowship. Right. Being able to commune with family and friends and particularly if you got like I know you have, you know, educators in your family. I know I got people, you know, in my in my circle who are educators and it's like, yeah, y'all off. But like, I got your kid, so don't call me. <laughs> so let let's start here, because we are now both dog parents, right? How old is Uh Almost three months. He'll be three months next week. So now with your second dog, how has that been? Just like mommy life for a second fur baby it is hard and I feel (laughs) like probably things look different because when we got our first dog um I think we were just like super hyper aware um and so this and we gave like way more attention to the first dog and it's like every little thing like oh my god he did this or he didn't do that and like what are we gonna do like when he got hiccups the first time I thought I should take him to the vet and somebody at work had to tell me like you don't do that and so now on the second one it's like you got the hiccups you'll be okay or like you I do I feel very bad that I haven't had either one of us have not had had time to spend with him. Um, this sounds like had- kids. Like your first kid, you're like doting over. And then like your second kid, you like, you be all right. Yeah, like- it's very much that. And I feel, <laughs> I feel bad, but you also are just like more confident about like how this is going to go. So it's like, uh, I, but I do feel bad. I feel like, you know, each dog deserves like he deserves what the first one got but it's like our lives look different like when we got our first dog the pandemic was still pretty real and so like we had more time at home and um more time to give him attention versus now like I don't I feel like to say the pandemic is behind us is insensitive but it is not um prevalent in the same way that it was so we're working more our lives just look different now that he's here and so he's not getting quite the same attention that the first dog got and I do I feel bad about that yeah I think like so you know we got Perry this week like two days ago as of this recording and like even when I just like went upstairs like I we I bought a uh, what is it a uh like a gate so that we don't have to crate her all day, but limit her access. Cause she not potty trained yet. 
You know, I know she's seven months, seventy pounds. Mm-hmm. She thick. Grown woman. Yeah, she thick, but she <laughs> is grown and her poops and everything. And like, I just went upstairs and she was like the rug. I don't know where her bowl is. The top of her bowl was gone. I don't know where the like the actual bowl is. And it's like the last dog we rescued, he was like self-sufficient. Like, I mean, I just bring him home. He was a little like anxious the first couple of days, but then he was chilling. And like, she is a puppy. Like, you try to walk her, she wanna pull on the leash and like she needs training and all those kind of stuff. And so it's like just making those adjustments. Like they like people, like, you know, they got their own personalities and you gotta learn them. I know yeah. you're saying swoosh is a little more rambunctious than Nike. Mm-hmm. He is um definitely has a lot more energy. But it's interesting, like I feel like he is the harder dog to take care of but in some ways he is much better than I shouldn't say better but he is just like manages things better than Nike did like he is totally anti like pooping in his crate like he won't even like now at almost three months like I was gone pretty much all day and he didn't until I got home like, Nike would have just, like, did it. Like, I got to use it. Y'all got to clean it up when I get home. Like, whatever. Um, So that is something that's like, hmm, you are different. He's also, like, not afraid of stuff, which I think in parenting it's probably similar. Like, you could probably scare your kid into doing stuff, and then you get another one that you can't. Like, so she not scared of anything. So, like, we have to kind of figure out different methods of how to to manage him. Yeah, I feel that. I remember, like like I said, Chubby, the first dog, he was just that. He was a 110-pound mammoth of a man. And so if he can't knock it over, then you got him. But, like, today I put up, as I was putting up the crate, not the crate, the gate, I made, like, a little makeshift barrier for her in the living room man shorty jumped over the ottoman like it looked cool i ain't gonna lie but i'm like yo you gotta chill like you can't just be go go gadgeting (laughs) over you like the furniture Mm -hmm. so um yeah that's that's cool you know i would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge on your international podcast, intergalactic, because if the aliens are listening, you know, we want to acknowledge them too, that you had a birthday. So I just want to say happy, happy, happy birthday um, from everyone here at Everyday Educators. You know, we thank you for your fearless leadership. Um, as you know, we have a, we share a godchild. And um, one of one of my other uh, godchildren transferring to his school this year. Um, so Hannah and Owen, how are you? Love you both. And um, I'm just thinking like new school, even for like Owen, like new 
um, you know, first week and, and like, so just, can you reflect on, you know, just one of your like highlights or I don't want to say highlights and lowlights, but, you know, just reflect on like when you, you know, that first day of school, like, can you think of a first day of school, like an important moment for you? You want to know what's crazy? When I was driving to work today, I was thinking about how 20 years ago was the first, not next, 20 years ago this month was like the first day of freshman year of high school. And I was like reflecting on. Yo, that's crazy because I'm going to go there too. So go ahead about your first day of high school. That day, because obviously you're going to high school. And I remember like my mother and my grandmother like, making me take a picture and of course I was like this is stupid like I'm going to high school like I don't have to take a first day of school picture and we are not like a first day of school picture family so that like even added to us like we don't even do this like so why do I have to take a first day of school but high school is different you know that I mean I now that I reflect on it it's like oh wow like I was going to high school and that, and then I went to an all girls Catholic school. Um, shout out if you are a Maria girl. Um, and like the uniform and like standing there and it was like pre braces. I had glasses and braids and it was just like, I like, I don't know. I was thinking about that this morning. Like, dang, that's crazy. Like 20 years ago, started high school. And so when I asked you that question, um, my <laughs> high school experience, my first day of high school also came to mind. Um, I went to King College Prep. Shout out to my Jaguars out there. And um, I don't know. I don't know if like in my heart, I always was signed a bad boy. More on that later. But like I just love like shiny stuff. You know, and so I had these um, pat, black patent leather shoes with like a gold swoosh on it. And I just got them because they was Nike and they were shiny and like that was it. And so like when I went to school, someone tapped me was like, oh, man, you got the new Jordans. Like, bro, them raw. And I'm like, oh, these are Jordans? Because at the time, like, I ain't know what Jordans like were for real, for real. I was like, oh, these are Jordans? And like, I went home. I was like, I need all Jordans. Because, <laughs> like, you know, one thing that they and I share is, like, you know, we sneakerheads, even out Chicago, we call them gym shoes. But, like, you know, we both into J's. And so, like, this is what started. And I was like, yo, like, uh, you know the thousands of dollars I spent on Jordans has become come from that pivotal moment. Um, <laughs> but on the other end of the spectrum, I uh, remember like I'm going to high school and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to reinvent myself. Right. <laughs> you know the story. I'm going to reinvent myself. And so Samuel Jackson is one of my metaphorical fathers. And I remember watching shaft and, Jeffrey Wright's character name was Peoples. And for some reason, I thought that was just like the illest name ever, right? Um, and so when I got to high school, I'm like, I, uh, when people were like, like, so you know, what's your name? I'm like, my name Peoples. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so the school that I went to, like when when I got there, they had uh like recently like reopened it, like they revamped the school. So it was only freshmen and sophomores. And like everybody from my grammar school <laughs> went to that school. So some girl in the back was like, Boy, your name ain't Peoples, your name is Jeremy. <laughs> Just burst my little bubble, man. I was gonna say you didn't think about the proximity. I was fourteen. Of course, I didn't think about proximity. I just thought people gonna respect that I am now people's, not people's Hernandez, but <laughs> but people's nonetheless. And then you know, it didn't last long. But it was one girl, and it was Ariel. Shout out to you, Ariel. You still call me peoples. And like I'm like, you know what? You saw me for for who I was my inner self, my true self. You know, my uh Dominican drug lord. You saw that in me. So <laughs> shout out to you. Um, but on that note, right? Like we have had educators, teachers, principals, you know, just to come in and out of our lives in various capacities. And like I'm not gonna let you cheat. And pick your mother, cause you can't. Um, but like, what? Like, just name. Like, talk to me about like some of your favorite teachers. Like, you know, just shout them out. I've had. I am very lucky to have had so many. Um, I'm also. I realized recently that I'm lucky to have had a lot of black teachers, which I did not realize how big of a deal that was or not that how big of a deal it was, but how like few black teachers, other people have had. I think when I totaled it up, I was like over 10. Um, And that was like first through eighth grade. And so I didn't know that that was a thing, but I will go with, Lou Bradley, who was my fifth grade teacher. She was my homeroom teacher. She also taught language arts. And I remember I love to read. Most people who know me know that. Um, And I remember being in her class and she teaching, she taught us something called speaking to the text. And it sounded dumb. It's like, who, why would you talk to a book? But ultimately, what she was teaching us was like digesting a text. You don't just read the words off of the paper. You like whatever thoughts you have in your brain as you are reading, you you write them down. And so I remember her like you read two paragraphs and then you had to come up with two things to like talk to the text. So like whether it be a question or a statement or something that you notice, like you had to do that. And that was, I think about that now and like how pivotal that was and how much of a big deal that that was, that I was learning that at 10 years old. Um, But also something that has like, I've kept and I've carried with me. Um, throughout my life now granted there were times where I was like too lazy to do it because I didn't want to but um even like in high school and in college like I still that was the first time I was introduced to it and I kept it and it has served me well it's made me a, a better reader a better thinker 
um, comprehender isn't a word, but I, I feel like my comprehension skills were were are pretty good. Um, a better writer, a better presenter. So shout out to Lee Bradley for teaching me that. You know, shout out to to Dr. Lou Bradley. I don't know if you're a real doctor, but we just call elevate you to that, you know, terminal degree status right now. Um, because you spoke about reading, I'm going to take a different position because it was so many teachers. You know, I just want to I'm grateful for all my teachers at Pershing Elementary, John J. Pershing Magnet School. Um, but at my heart, in my heart of hearts, I'm a scientist. As you know, I went to school for marine biology. Like, I love science. And I just think about Mr. Schwartz, who was our science teacher from kindergarten to eighth grade, um, to just, like, make me an explorer, right? Like, it was just, like, the most tangible experience with education. Like, now, you could touch it. You could test it. Like, you didn't just have to accept what he said. Like, nah, try it. Follow the directions. Try it. You see... Um, one of my crowning achievements, uh, was winning. I went all the way to the regionals in the uh, science fair, my sixth, seventh grade year. Does, does viscosity affect the temperature of a liquid? Um, and like I won in my class, I won in the school. I was just like, oh, you know, I thought I was, you know, I was popping big stuff then, you know, um, and so, like, man, shout out to you. And then, yo, this man is a major reason why we're here, Dr. Kelly Harris. Um, he presented, like, African-American studies in a, in a way that I had never, like, engaged with before. And it wasn't just history, but it was just, like, he made the diaspora like global, but he also made it like omnipresent, right? Like it was not just the past, but like you learn this so that you're creating black history right now. And like, and you study it intimately so that you are writing it intentionally. And so, um, a large part of just like my prism like my filter through which like I view the world um, because he like came in at like a critical point, you know, um, in my like education path. So, you know, shout out to those teachers and all the ones that we haven't got to yet that, you know, this is not the last time we're going to shout out some teachers, but um, yeah, those two were really, really good. So I got two actual factuals that I want us to kind of talk about today. Um, the first one's coming from The Dig, which is a, a Howard University publication. Shout out to the Bices out there. I'm not going to hate on y'all. Um, as you know, May 2021, Miss Felissa Rashad was appointed as the Dean of the Chadwick Bozeman College of Fine Arts. It wasn't named that at the time. It, it has renamed since Brother... Um, Chadwick has passed away, rest in peace. Um, but she was their first chair of the fine arts department, right? And she is now stepping down. So 
this school year, 23-24, would be her last year. Um, reading this from Yahoo News. During Dean Rashad's tenure, contributions to fine arts programming at Howard have increased significantly, um, anchored by a $5.4 million gift from Netflix to a, to establish the now named Chadwick A. Bozeman Memorial Scholarship. Um, I just wanted you to speak to like people of influence, whether they're celebrities or otherwise, like leveraging their power to build up our institutions. You think that's important? What you think? I always feel like it's important and I always feel like that matters to the people that are there to be able to connect to, you know, not not only people of influence, but people of influence who have gone through those halls or that program like and to be because like it's a way to be able to see yourself and so we know Queen Rashad is a legend in more ways than one and so to to have her stamp on that program and there were other people like obviously Chadwick and um I believe the lady that plays Beth on uh, or she did play Beth on um this is us. She went there, and so there. Oh, I didn't know that. Can't um, forget Diddy. I know he ain't graduated, but like you know, Diddy been holding him down. That that matters <laughs> to be able to to know that like what you're doing is is not for nothing. Like I think sometimes in college, I used to complain and say like college felt like a dark hallway. Like you just you just in there. And you trying to to see the light at the end of the hallway and know that you made it. And so when you have people that have seen the light at the end of the hallway and they have like created lanes for themselves and done cool things, like I think it helps to like actualize the experience a little bit more. Did Nick Cannon graduate? I know this random, but did he graduate? I don't know. I can't speak to mm. Nick Cannon's educational experience. <laughs> Very formal. No, he was at Howard, though, for a minute. I don't know if he graduated or not, but um, that had nothing to do with the topic. But uh, I agree. I think that if you look at like the totality of the story, like her being an alum of the institution... Um, them reestablishing the fine arts as its own independent college and like her serving as not just the dean, but like a figurehead of like, this is what Howard Fine Arts means. Um, I also think of like how that has a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Throughout other institutions, like specifically we're talking about HBCUs, like if there's value in doing fine arts at Howard and like it's a super competitive program and like I can't get into Howard, but I might be getting I might be able to get in like like Morgan State. Right. I might be able to get in the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, which is like a earshot away from Howard, you know, and of course you can come to Hampton, you know, we gonna hold you down. Um, but when you look at like, oh, 
there is value in these type of institutions at HBCUs, at PWIs, even at like Division II schools. Like it's just not like the top premier programs that you can get a quality education and experience. So, um, you know, we thank you, Dean Rashad, for um, exemplifying like what Chad Chadwick Bozeman like how he lived his life you know like as we all know like the end of his life he did all these roles and he was like super sick but he was still like producing like amazing films and like that just speaks to his resilience but also like just the prep work that he got at Howard you know just like how they like bro you gotta you gotta tough it out right so um that was good that was good now we're gonna go to our second story for the week our second actual factual should be an interesting topic. So according to the center, the National Center for Education Statistics, 13-year-olds reading scores are down four points. And math scores are down nine points. And this is between 2020 to 2023. Um, you kind of spoke to this earlier, like just the lingering impacts of COVID, Right. That's not what this topic is about, but I do think that it is um, imperative to mention it here during this, you know, point. Like these are the COVID years that we're talking about, right? Um, and so the reading scores went down from two sixty to two fifty six, and the math scores went down from two eighty to two ninety one. Um, I'm going to do a hard pivot. Would you like a four-day work week, Nay? And if you did have a four-day work week, like, permanently, like, how would that have impact, like, your effectiveness at work, like, doing your job? I don't... I would like a four-day work week. I I think... I worked a job where, over summer, it was at a school, and we... Um, we did four day work weeks over the summer, but it was a 10 hour, like you work eight to six Monday through Thursday. And I remember some, some people like that. Some people didn't, they, they didn't want to be at work 10 hours. They'd rather come in on Friday. Um, I wouldn't mind it. I don't think it would impact my effectiveness because just because I don't have to go into the office on a Friday or a Monday doesn't mean that I'm not going to work. Um, so I I can't imagine that it would sway me one way or the other, but I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, being like on this side, not on this side, but on the side of like the education spectrum, where my work weeks, if I don't have a active program, is mad fluid, right? Um, there's some days that I'm like super packed with meetings and other days that I'm meeting free and have like a de facto day off, you know? Mm -hmm. um, at least I'm not like external facing during those times. Um but to be honest, I don't know if it would be functional 
to only have like to only work four days a week like in perpetuity like if that was the standard I think like uh, when it's when it is as nebulous as the work that I do like you can't just not answer an email for 72 hours like that's just not sustainable you know what I mean um so that brings us to our second story right so we start off talking about the test scores because I think that is like uh the prism through which like I want to view this story so according to CBS News school districts across the country are moving to a four-day work week um, in Independence, Missouri, schools will add 35 minutes to each day to account for that missed instruction time. So kind of like what you were saying, like your summer schedule was like, um, and I quote, for parents who need child care on Mondays, because they'll have Mondays off, the district will offer child care for $30 a day. So I can imagine what uh, what impact that would have on, you know, fixed income families, right? Um, and so districts are using this strategy to attract teachers due to the teacher shortage, particularly in rural areas. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, is this the most effective way to get like teachers in the classroom, get more teachers in the classroom? Just to, you know, four days work week. That's hard to say. I, I mean, I don't, I am always, appreciative of an effort so I can commend them for trying to figure out what can work or what should work and trying to alleviate the teacher shortage because it's real like they got 60 70 kids in a class in some places they got classrooms where kids are sitting on the floor because the the class itself only can hold so many desks is so kids are breaking their necks to get to certain classes so they can have a seat versus sitting on the floor. And so I um, can appreciate trying and figuring out like what will, like what can work, like I said earlier. And I'm not a person that is, I won't hold that against them. It's not like, oh my God, you did this and it didn't work and not like the school system's terrible. It's like, if you try it and it don't work, like I would hope that you, they would go back to the drawing board and try to figure out something else like that. Now, granted, it doesn't sound like a perfect plan, but I can certainly respect the effort. Um, yeah, I think you bring to light an important factor is that attempt. Um, but something else that I like thought about is the um, something else that I thought about, like think just reflecting over this article is somebody said like, why don't you just pay them more? Right. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that like how schools and, and institutions are funded is like one issue. Right. And, and and a separate issue at that. But also, I think that, like, throwing money, like, in the short term, mm-hmm. is it sustainable? Like, 
think about what happened to uh, like traveling nurses, right? Everybody went to traveling nurses over COVID because they were getting an exuberant amount of money. And like I know kids who like saw whomever they know in the community, like making bank as a traveling nurse. It was like, oh, I want to be a traveling nurse because like I see how they live in. But when the market correct self-corrects, right, then it's like, well, you're not getting that salary. And those people who were like living their life off that salary, like had to do some major readjustments. Um, but yeah, I think it kind of brings into like a bigger question, like how do you get, you know, young people, how do you get new young 18 year olds going to college? Like how do you get them into the classroom? Right. Um, and it might take a four day week. So yeah, that's good. So why don't you share with share with me, if you will, I'm going to use this as a segue off this off script, like what what drove you into education? Because like you weren't and you were in comms and don't tell me what your mama finally made you like what what made you take up that 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 ministry? <laughs> um, really, I needed a job. I had gotten laid off in a pretty tragic way. Um, I won't say the company, but it was a pretty big company. And they walked in one day and they were like, y'all are done. Thanks. And I learned how quickly you could be dismissed and at a job. And luckily, I mean, I was, I was young. I lived at home. Like my, the, the stakes for my life weren't high. But I think about other people who did. Like, my life looks very different now. If that happened to me now, like, I would be devastated in a much more real way because I have a lot more responsibility versus, like, seven or eight years ago when this happened to me. Like, then my pride was hurt and I was sad and it just sucked. But... I remember. I remember. (laughs) I think about... It, I, it was just, like, very eye-opening to see, like, oh, I could be here one day and, like, literally go on the next. And there's nothing, nobody cares, nobody, like, it's, it's just not a thing. And so I needed a job, and I there was a principal that I knew. It was just like, look, I got a, I got a job opening here. They call them marketing enrollment managers. So it's like, I have this position open. It's probably not what you're used to, but if you want it, you can have it. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. And I just remember feeling guilty because that company that I worked for, we were just, I'm just working to help them make more money. And it's like, I'm not really doing anything, but helping a already rich company or a company that already does very well in their market, um, both on the brand recognition side and on the money side, just be even more recognizable if that's even possible and make more money. And so when I took that job at a school, it's like, this is where it's at. Like I was working with Kids that were like from where I was from, I was wearing Jordans every day and I learned quickly that that kind of like sparked conversations with them. And that was like a 
an entry point to conversation and kind of getting to know them better and them getting to know me better um, as an adult at their school. And I just really felt like that's where it was at, like that this work matters, this work is important. And I learned in taking that job that I am a mission-based person at my core. Like I can't work corporate. I have friends that work corporate and it's like, I, I can't, I, I can't, I just can't do that. Like I need a mission attached to the work that I'm doing, the work that I put in. Um, and so education kind of like fits that bill. I feel like we're Luke Cage. Like if you remember the show, uh, I read the comments, but I, I know you I, watched the show. Long time. But I mean, but the premise is like, he was a Harlem based superhero. Like I'm just dealing with, like I care about Harlem, this it, that's all, as opposed to like <laughs> the Justice League who in space and, you know, intergalactic yeah. threats is like, you know, somebody has to like care about this little thing here. And, you know, um, so you said something that I kind of want you to speak, a, dig in a little more because, you know, you have a, this is a international broadcast that you've got here, Ms. Palacios Nelson. And so there are millions of people who are going to watch this and who may not be in education, right? Um, mm -hmm. But as you know, we believe that everyone is an educator and we educate every day. And so speak to like your education and your training, like your work experience and like how transferable like were those skills to the work that you do now? And then like any gaps that you had, like, you know, kind of big learning curves. Mm. I had a dream. I was just telling somebody this. I thought I was going to be a publicist. And that was like my big dream, my big goal. And then like that, I was on that path, but then it just kind of didn't like shake out. And what I leaned into, probably what I would recommend anybody to lean into is like personality, like get to know yourself, get to know like who you are core wise and personality wise. And that can kind of like guide you into what you want to do. And so for me, I really, I like people. I really enjoy people. I love listening to them. I love their stories. I love when people are, they can be honest, like this is where I messed up or this is where I felt like I could have done something better. And so that is why I thought I would be a good publicist and why I wanted to be a publicist. I wanted to work with people and, and all that jazz. And then I found another line of work that was similar when I talk about personality. I still had the same opportunities personality-wise that I felt like fit me, but um, just in the education world. So does that answer your question? Is that what you were looking for? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I just... Um, I do a lot of work with, like non-traditional folks and so I so even 
and like the purpose of this podcast, right? So like these community educators, you know, those professionals who don't see themselves as teachers, right? Who don't see themselves as administrators or, you know, anything in between. Um, Mm -hmm. And like you and I, right? We both had like different paths, um, non-traditional paths into the education space. And so I just wanted to talk to that, you know, hopefully somebody in Argentina or Nigeria will hear this and be like, yo, I want to, I want to be like they, you know, they, you inspire me. At least that's how I feel when I'm at a, you know, so, um, on that note, right. Um, you, you spoke about your training, um, and you talked about like your first week, a lot of PDs. And today I interview for a fellowship, uh, more to come on that as that develops. But uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what is the importance of professional development for educators and like specifically those who aren't classroom educators? Like I remember like a, you sharing like the conference that you went to a while back and, you know, just like that those types of experiences that you hadn't had before. Like if you could just talk to like, you know, some highlights, some lowlights. Um, it's so important. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I think about it's 2023. I graduated from college 11 years ago. And like, it's odd to me that we are, we live in a world. It's like, you got to get this piece of paper and like, you don't have to update. Like, there's no official requirement, maybe, like, in the medical field or or law or whatever. But, like, generally speaking, there are no, like, official requirements to update in your field. And so I think professional development is incredibly important because you got to know what's going on out there and, like, what the new trends are. Like, how are kids learning? Like, where um, I've been reading this book called Neuroteaching. So it talks about like students and their brains and like what kids are looking for, like how they learn. Part of how they learn is how they connect with their teachers. And so when we were kids, it was like, it don't matter if, if you like your teacher, if your teacher don't like you, like you there to get an education. 20 years later, we are learning like that is a part of the education. That is what students want. That's what they need to get the best out of their educational experience. So, yeah, and I know like PDs aren't, people aren't wild about them because like you're missing valuable class time or there's a, um, a conference that we go to at my school that is like right before admission season and it's for admissions people and so that is challenging but it's necessary and so I know like people go through that balance of trying to figure out like I'm I'm missing work time or class time um but in my experience it's worth it that you kind of like make that sacrifice I uh I agree with you 100%. I, I reflect on uh, when I was a pair, not a paraprofessional, I was, but um, what was it called? Pharmacy tech. There you go. You remember those days. 
<laughs> when I was working at CVS Pharmacy. And I recall like we had to do like continuing education, like just whatever those updates were in the pharmacy field to like renew our license. And um, I think like for the, for the paraprofessional license, you had to do something, but like the barrier was like mad low, right? Like it just, and you only, you had to renew like once every couple of years. So it wasn't even something that you did like frequently. Right. Um, and then, and that was when I was like in the classroom. Right. And then like when I transitioned out of the classroom, if you run in like a, a program or something, there is no professional development as far as like baked into like the requirements to like do that job. Um, Mm -hmm. We have to seek out opportunities. And I mean, if you're part of a bigger organization like Trio, you know, they had conferences and, you know, different opportunities that you could like allocate some of your budget to, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Yo, you ain't gonna keep your job. Like you, you won't even be eligible to do this if you don't do that. Um, and so I think that really like impacts the quality of education like our students get. Whether you are like you aren't student facing in the same way as a teacher is, right? Of course, you're there. You're the first face that greets them. Um, but like after that, they're like off doing you know doing their thing. Um, but still, if you don't have that professional development, like you would be, um, very underprepared, right? Especially as like some of the things that we're talking, you know, speaking to, like if a kid just came from one of these districts that only have four day work weeks and now they're coming to your school and they got to go to school every day. And like, that is a bigger learning curve. Like you as an admissions director, like, what are you doing to like equip that family for that transition? Right. Just to use that example. So, um, so yeah. So to close us out, right. We're going to go to our book club. So nay, I know that you were reading a book last week. I um, didn't any, you did I it. I, I was, but I have not. Well, you know what? Just the people who are listening, just listen to the next episode before this one so that should be done by the end. Um, So I will talk about two books that I have not finished, but I started. Um, One is Black Liberation Theology by James Cone. Um, It is a, you know, diasporic, pan-African perspective on um, theology so it's not just like biblical studies but like your framework in which like you engage with you know your higher power your creator you know in this one it is the Christian God Um, and it is uh, it is interesting because this is the second time that I read this book Um, and when I read it first I was like 18, 19 years old. 
And so now, like over 10 years later, um, I'm just a little more critical of like the things that he's saying. And um, I just have like my own, you know, beliefs. And so that's like the cool thing of like rereading stuff because you like engage with the text, like what you were just talking about. You engage the text from a different vantage point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also reading Managing Up. It is a uh, a book that was suggested by a good friend of ours, Craig, you know, who will be on the show soon. Um, and it is uh, like not I don't want to just limit it to self-help, but um, but it is like essays on like different perspectives on management. Right. Um, self-management, you know, managing up and down and across. And so far, you know, it's been good. You know, you got some gems. I'm just kind of getting into it. So when I finish, I'll have like a a deeper dive on the text. But like that is our book club for the week. Um, I'll get that. Um, I will get the author of Managing Up. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, But yeah, y'all. So I just want to say thank you for listening to us this week from wherever you are. Um, Coming to us wherever we are. Um, I want to say that, you know, this show is about covering all aspects of education, right? A 360 view um, and that we are students of education. And so like, I'm not saying that we're experts, um, but we do study it um, intensely, intimately and intentionally. Um, and that's to inspire you, you know, those community educators classroom educators and at-home educators and whatever combination of the three that you might find yourself in, you know, we really want you to know that everyone, everyone, everyone is an educator and we educate every day. Um, So please take some time out. uh, Hit us up if you have questions, comments, concerns, or if you want to talk to us, email us at info at every, excuse me, email us at educateeveryday.com because everydayeducator.com was taken. So <laughs> email us at info at educateeveryday.com. Um, you can also find us on IG at Everyday Educators on at the Spill app on Educate Every Day. I'm Jeremy. This is my co-host, Nay, And we're going to catch y'all on the flip side. Peace.